0: Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show. Show, 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 show. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Maribel, CEO of Employee Cycle. And you know us, we're your friendly HR analytics dashboard that's helping you pull all your data together from your different HR systems into one source of truth. You ask, how do we do it? Well, we have an HR analytics dashboard with pre-built integration connectors to the most popular systems across HRIS, payroll, ATS, engagement, performance, rewards and recognition, you name it, to be able to pull all your data into one place so all you HR leaders can become smarter and more data driven by viewing, sharing, tracking, analyzing all your employee data in one place. Please go to EmployeeCycle.com, check us out. We would love to help you automate your HR reporting and analytics process, so we'll get a demo so we can talk about it. But that's enough about me and our company, because today we have a great guest. So please help me welcome to the show, Abby Cohen. She's the Global Chief Diversity Officer at Atos, and today we're talking about how to take DEI from education to action. Abby, welcome to the podcast. Woo! Go, Go, Abby! Thanks, Bruce. Thanks for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Awesome. And this is your global podcast debut, so I'm super excited to be the very first podcast you've ever been on. Yeah, I'm very excited too. So, Abby, we're going to kick this show off the best way we know how, and that's by asking you, how did you end up in the wonderful world of HR?
1: I started my career actually in the entertainment industry so I was working for a theatre group and what I realised that I enjoyed was all of the people aspects of what I was doing and driving those engagements and relationships so I moved into a recruitment role and then moved across into HR Um, so it wasn't you know my childhood dream when I was four (laughs) But it was something that I realized I, bo- I both enjoyed and I was good at. And so, yeah, it's it's been uh, the path that I followed for the last 25 years or so. And I still enjoy it each and every day.
0: Awesome. So, Abby, today we're talking about how to take DEI from education to action. And I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts about this topic being the global chief diversity officer at your company. So, in order to really break down this topic, I first want to talk about DEI education. What is it? Why is it important? And how is it done?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so, in terms of uh, of what it is, it really is about broadening people's understanding, their horizons, their awareness. You know, we all have our own map of the world. You know, our own lived experiences. Um, our own perspectives um, that we have developed as we, as we walk through this journey of life. And de education is really about opening your, yourself up to other experiences, connecting to other individuals and their story and journey through life, and connecting people across organisations, across society, so that we can understand one another better, so that we can collaborate and engage better, and so that ultimately we benefit from that broad diversity of thought, that diversity of experience, to support us, support our organizations, and support society in being a more inclusive and uh,
0: and supportive place. As you were talking about a broad spectrum of thinking, and a diversity of experiences, it had me thinking about how when you build a diverse team, in essence, you're probably building and assembling a team of people who have very different experiences throughout their life, very different points of view and perspectives of the world. And so it almost seems like by building this diverse team, By default, you're bringing together a lot of people who will already have a lot of biases, potentially towards other people in the way that they look at the world. So, how do you deal with that? Because if you want to have a diverse team, it seems like you are creating that tension of diverse experiences. Yeah. But there has to be some common thread that brings them all together to break through those biases, or different points of view so how do you do that because that seems like a very difficult thing to pull together at the same time
1: yeah yeah Bruce, you put it beautifully it's actually really easy to build a team of like people that's the easiest thing to do and, and we see it happening all the time and it's not it's um almost natural in terms of uh you know that, that's the way that bias works i i filter out that that i feel afraid of you know that if we go back to kind of evolutionary times I, I, I look for the for the similar and the safe but actually in organizations and there's tons of research out there that, that shows this building teams of like people does not help you uh, in terms of growing in terms of innovating in terms of really getting to new and exciting places so it's much more beneficial to build a team that has that true diversity, but that's hard. It's, it's really difficult. And, you know, one of the things that, that I talk about um, within our business is about being comfortable with being uncomfortable. If everyone in the room is nodding and agreeing, then actually you're not probably in a good place. You need that difference of perspective. You need that difference of background, difference of experience. I think you know where you focus in terms of coming together is on a common goal or a common um, functional area. You know, so if we if we look at uh, the the people function, you know, you're looking at your overall goal and strategy and approach. But you know, the the journey that you might take to get there will be different with the different perspectives that you bring together, and and it is really important to have that level of. Of conflict and discussion and difference in order to come up with something brilliant. You know, you will not come up with something brilliant if we all think in exactly the same way because we've limited our scope and our perspective.
0: That's really interesting when you were talking about making sure that people are comfortable feeling uncomfortable. How do you hire for that? How do you hire for people who have the ability to adapt? and thrive in that level of discomfort or being uncomfortable? And if you have hired people who may not feel comfortable being uncomfortable, how do you educate people on that and get them on board to a place where they are able to experience that?
1: Yeah, great, great question. I think um, for me, this is where we need to focus our recruitment on looking at apps um skills in terms of the way in which people operate and approach and not necessarily technical background or or experience. Whilst that's important to a degree, that ability, that emotional intelligence, um, that ability to, as you say, adapt, that ability to constructively engage with others and to have that empathy, so that, that EQ, is so important because, you know, in terms of technical knowledge, we can learn that, but we can't fundamentally change some of our approaches. And so, if we're looking for teams who are driving change, especially leaders who are driving with an inclusive leadership mindset, it's really important that they do have that emotional intelligence, that skill side. Um, that they can develop. Now, it's not a case of that people cannot learn and change and grow. We can. Um, and, you know, we can see in science, you can develop new neural pathways within your brain. It just takes time and effort to do so. So it's also about identifying that willingness to learn and giving people the opportunity to do so, explaining why, you know, why is this important? Why? would you need to change we, we all need that insight as to what's in it for me what's in it for the organization why would I do that so giving that insight and then giving people the tools and the safe space in order to develop so you know we look very much at supportive programs around mentorship around reverse mentorship which is a really interesting program that we that we've been running in a has given a lot of value around giving people insights into into other people's stories, other people's perspectives. I think storytelling is a really, really powerful way of engaging people. People connect to people. Um, and so telling those stories and highlighting somebody's lived experience and now allowing people to... know, try on their shoes, walk walk a day in their shoes and really understand what that's like. That is what builds connections and builds
0: uh, an ability for somebody to see beyond their own perspective. That's really interesting. And so as you do this hands-on training of getting people to walking other people's shoes, as you put it, educating them on how to, be comfortable, feeling uncomfortable. When does this transition into actions or is that the action?
1: No, uh, that is part of the action. And, you know, part of the action about just understanding your own bias. You know, we all have unconscious bias, understanding what that looks like for you and owning it, having that responsibility around it understanding yourself you know spending that time understanding yourself better what kind of leader am I uh, what kind of leader do other people see me as do those two match up if they don't then you know then there's work I need to do there in terms of how I believe I, I uh, act in the world and how others see me um, acting so there's action in, involved in that but very much our approach at Atos is we look at taking education and awareness, but then specific calls to action, whether that be at the individual level or whether that be at the organisational level. So taking a particular area or topic or focus, we will we will look at awareness, education, learning, development, uh, connections, collaborations, celebrations, but then also what is the call to action. What, what are we looking for our people to do? So if we look around inclusive leadership, we, will, we have trained and developed people on what does it mean to be an inclusive leader and dived into some of the aspects and elements of that. But then the call to action is really around them taking their own inventory and looking at what specific actions they need to take as a leader to drive Uh, inclusivity across their
0: area of responsibility. So it sounds like the actions that the HR person, the DEI person, whoever is responsible for implementing these efforts to make the culture and workforce more diverse and inclusive and equitable, it seems as though they really need to get a good grasp and hold on what does each individual person and or manager need? Because... From listening to your experience, it looks like you're taking a very customized approach versus a one-size-fits-all, where this is what companies need to do to become more diverse, and so this is what we're doing. And instead, it seems like you're really taking a more tailored approach. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's correct. And also, I think it's really important to look at where you sit as an organization. And it's very hard. You know, we're an organization of 113,000 employees globally. There is no way we can set one plan with one set of actions that translates across every part of our organization. It's not realistic. So we have a framework that we have globally, but then we translate that locally because different parts of our organization will be in different places along that journey. So for example, we have a real focus on gender diversity, but our different countries will be in different places. On that gender diversity spectrum, and we'll have different opportunities. So we will very much translate our global ambitions into local actions and look at what we what we will be doing locally to drive that. So, for example, in France we have a a partnership with um, an organization called Social Builder, which is looking at moving women into the technology space and, and developing those career pathways across. We have different relationships and different actions in different countries. So it's really important that we don't assume that we can just take one action universally. Um, And the other thing, you know, you talk about data. For me, data is incredibly important in the DE&I space Uh, to understand where are you? Where are you as an organization? What does your data tell you? particularly about inclusion. So often we've looked at data in the DEI space in terms of highlighting what the diversity looks like, so you know, how how many women are there in the workforce? How many women of color are there in the workforce and and, and so on. But actually what we're what we've been moving into exploring this year is how does that show up in terms of inclusion? So you start to dig deeper into the data. What happens to those women in terms of promotion? What happens to them in terms of pay equity? What happens to them in terms of learning and development or access to talent programs? What happens to them in terms of the kind of performance feedback that they're getting? Not only the rating, but the actual narrative that is being shared with them. Is it different from what we're seeing with their male counterparts? And if it is, why? So starting to dig into the data, to help us understand what's happening in the organization. And then we attach the action to those data insights. And like I said, they'll be different in different parts of the organization because the
0: environment is different. Abby, you've shared so much about DEI, and this is such a big initiative. It's one of those things where it's so big and all-consuming for so many people that they get overwhelmed, so they never start. And so my last question for you, in 30 seconds or less, for every person out there who is feeling overwhelmed and doesn't know where to start, how would you tell them to approach working on DEI and taking it from education to action?
1: Yeah, beautifully put, Bruce. It's, it's really easy to get paralysis when you look at such a huge agenda, You know, what I would say is don't assume that small actions don't make a big change. Uh, One of my favorite quotes is from Mother Teresa, where she says, you know, we can all cast a stone and make a small ripple that will drive big change. And it's true. We can all take individual actions and they will drive a big change. The worst thing we can do is feel paralyzed by the enormity of what's in front of us and do nothing. So I would just encourage people to take the action that they can take and encourage others. It has a ripple effect. And that's when you start to see progressive change
0: happening across an organization and across society. Abby, thank you so much for dropping all your gems of wisdom on us. And for helping so many HR, diversity, and other people in the community who care about this topic by sharing your own experience. So thank you so much for being on the Employee Cycle Podcast. So where can people find you and Atos online? Um, So I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Abby Cowan,
1: um, and and same for Atos, it's atos.net. We're we're on LinkedIn. You can find us on our, our homepage too. I'd be very happy and love to connect with anyone.
0: Awesome. And we'll be sure to include all that contact info in the show notes. So for everyone out there listening, if you enjoyed this episode that Abby and I just finished, And if you really, really, really like it, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes or anywhere else you want to leave a rating because that shows that we're creating great content. Also, if this is your very first time listening to the Employee Cycle Podcast and now you're hungry for more episodes, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. And last but not least, all of you super awesome HR and people leaders out there, please continue to hire train and retain the best workforce possible. Thank you. Later, kids.